Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're talking to Martins, who is the co-founder and the CEO of Mintos, which is a fantastic platform to invest if you have excess cash or if you would like to borrow. We will find out about the key clients, the key value add of the platform. I'm in full disclosure. I've been using it. I like it. But we'll find out more from Martins. How did he come up with the idea? How did he build it? What's cooking? Because I also know they are raising money. So I'm very curious to hear from a fellow INSEAD alumni to continue in the entrepreneurial tradition of INSEAD, right? So Martins, uh, how are you today? Thanks. It's my pleasure to be uh, here. It's been a great day and uh, obviously exciting week with all the crowdfunding campaign which we launched this week. Right. And where are you based in the world these days? So I do uh, come from uh, Riga in Latvia, and that's uh, where I actually have spent most of my life. And that's also where uh, we decided to, uh, when we ever thinking where to launch, Mintos also decided to launch it here from Riga, from Latvia. All right. Excellent. So can you tell us a bit more about yourself? How did you get to the motivation to start your own business? Sure, happy to. So my background is really in investment banking, did that for a good six years, then uh, went for the MBA at INSEAD with the whole idea to go do actually international career, at least for some bit, and then return back to Latvia, most likely, and do entrepreneurship. So I had this bug, entrepreneurial bug, I would say, since very early days, um, mostly, I would say, because of my parents, which were kind of typical post-Soviet Union uh, product uh, and engaged in many different activities, which you could call entrepreneurship. And then it's basically after I just realized that uh, why wait for five years? Why not do it straight away? And that's how the whole journey of Minto started. Brilliant. And as I said, you're a co-founder. This is one of the topics I like to dig into because I'm curious about how did you pick your co-founders or was it the other way around? Did they find you and pick you? It was uh, me picking, uh, uh, but obviously like by picking, it's maybe two one, one-way street. So obviously it goes like mutually uh, getting together and mm-hmm. understanding that you want to do something together in our case so uh, I basically relied on my network here in, in my home country. So uh, uh, the first guys which we got on the board were actually angel investors, uh, which I would call like founding angel investors. That's four guys, uh, which I met at undergrad. So they are my basic classmates from undergrad. I knew them very well and I knew that they are very experienced in uh in the sector in basically alternative lending and then the other guy which is operational the other martinch uh so he's actually a guy as well from the same undergrad but uh, i met him in my first job at uh, Ersten young and so when when we launched it was me and the four angel investors slash co-founders and then the martin joined uh, half a year or so later was rather diligent process in, in going through who could be 
uh, another operational co-founder and then uh, just put together all the pluses and minuses and what we, what I would expect from the co-founder and then marriage was a very good fit okay great i mean that's what i was hoping to hear basically you were following the the skill sets right and the complement you know whether they're complementary to you and, and useful for the business rather than familiarity some people say well you know we uh, my co-founders my best uh, beer drinking buddies right yeah well obviously all the situations are different but uh, i think in business uh, well at least my view is more that uh, you have to be on a good terms but maybe not like the closest friends uh so that helps uh, so it was definitely a more diligent process in that aspect from from our from our side or from my side all right, understood. So what is Mintos? How does that work? Yes, yeah, so Mintos is a marketplace for investing in loans. So we do bring a new alternative investment type to retail investors, and that is loans uh, to consumers and small businesses. So basically, retail investors do come to Mintos to invest in loans which have been issued to uh, consumers and small businesses all around the world. Uh, so today we have around 340,000 retail investors who have in total funded already 5.7 billion uh, euros of loans, uh, which have been originated in 30 plus different countries. So uh, we offer a very wide spectrum of different loans. And that's a key, apart from the fact that actually we opened the asset class as such to the retail investors. So the key, what we actually offer is this uh, unmatched loan supply. And basically each investor can build their own portfolio according to their preferences. And, uh, well, you already said you had entrepreneurial bug and, uh, you know, so there were preconditions here uh, for coming up with the idea. But how did you come up with the idea and, uh, you know, when? Uh, I I think all the, well, idea obviously is important, but also our idea evolved from what was initial idea. Our initial idea was to build Mm -hmm. what you would call maybe a typical peer-to-peer lending platform so we were actually issuing loans ourselves and then putting them on the platform and selling or funding through the retail investors which very soon after we launched um, uh, evolved in the business model which we have today when we don't issue any loans ourselves so instead of uh, loan supply is brought to the marketplace by different lending companies uh, all across the globe and that just uh, gives much more uh, uh, supply uh, for the retail investors. When it comes to the idea, I think the idea is really basically there are trigger events, but the, the idea is more of a combination of what has happened with you in your life up to that point. So it wasn't the case that I was uh, walking down the street and the lightning struck and then I realized, okay, I have to do Mintos. So it was a, a bit more diligent process again. Uh, so I was just going through uh, what I know and that was finance and what I do like and that has been tech. Even though I don't code, so I've been always uh, amazed by the uh, all the latest gadgets, what the technology can do, with all the uh, uh, computers and all, all, all this. Uh, just combining that, finance and tech, so you end up with fintech. And uh, at that time, which is uh, early 2014, when I finished uh, my MBA, uh, the peer-to-peer lending was something which was picking up and that caught my interest. And then I just uh, decided, well, that's something which we might want to pursue and uh, basically started to work on Mintos. All right. I mean, you mentioned that your investors are retail investors, but maybe tell us a little bit how that works, because obviously it's an alternative asset class, right? This is not like a deposit in the bank. And then uh, I would be also interested to hear where they are from, because you 
run it out of Latvia, but I know you're quite international. And uh, one more thing is when you look at the platform and you invest, you also see where that money goes, right? And like up to even like 10 euros piece. So what kind of loans do you finance? So first, the investors, where they are from, uh, what, what kind, how does that work versus regulation? And then lastly, what kind of loans uh, are being financed by these investors? So on the retail investor side, so those are kind of typical, typical retail investors. So we do, as you mentioned, investors can start investing from as low as 10 euro per loan. So because they do invest in fractions of loans. So each loan can have hundreds, if not thousands of investors who are funding the loan. Then we're going to have investors who are investing just a few hundred euros. We're going to have investors who are investing uh, millions of euros through us. So obviously the range is quite wide but on average i would say that the uh, investor is holding around like four thousand uh, euros of uh, outstanding investments at them at this moment uh, when it comes to the geographies uh, exactly so so we are based out of uh, Riga, Latvia, where we have the main office we do have an office also in berlin and we do have an office in vilnius in lithuania uh, so we are based out of here but most of the businesses are really uh, outside of the Baltic sort of the region actually. So most of the investors do come from Western Europe. We have a strong presence in Germany, in Spain, in uh, the same Netherlands, also in Czech Republic, in uh, uh, Austria and so forth. And then on the loan supply side, it's truly global. So we have loans which are originated in uh, Mexico or loans which are originated in Botswana or loans uh, from uh, Southeast Asia, from Indonesia, for instance, Central Asia, and then everything in between. So it's 33 countries as of today. Uh, so it's very global offering in that respect. And what kind of loans are these? I mean, are they people who are buying a washing machine or a TV or a car or, or, or what? Are they you know, consumer loans or what is the money used for? It's, again, a very wide spectrum. So we do facilitate eight different loan types so anything from short-term uh, payday type of products uh, to uh, installment based loans uh, then it's going to be secured loans such as car loans or uh, bridge type of mortgage loans uh, then it's going to be small business loans invoice financing so all, all sorts of different loans so to date, investors in total have funded 28 million different loans so it's been a very wide uh, Again, um, a very wide spectrum of different loans which they do fund. So it's going to depend really. So we're going to have, I don't know, a low, uh, even, I don't know, small few tens of euros payroll loan in the same uh, Botswana uh, given to government uh, employees. And then we're going to have small business loan in, I don't know, Poland for like a couple of tens of thousands of euros or maybe more so it's a very wide spectrum all right okay i see so uh, you mentioned before that you know you when you were coming out of insad you saw the growth in p2p platforms right and you've been around for a few years now so obviously i would expect that you have done well even without looking at uh, your financials right so uh, how would you say that you are different from your competitors other p2p platforms I think first, we actually would not position ourselves as a peer-to-peer -peer platform because we don't do lending ourselves. So we don't really see the borrowers. We don't originate the loans. Uh, the key to our success, and uh, it's been good first uh, 
first steps perhaps in the right direction. So today we hold, uh, according to the latest market data, we do hold uh, almost half of the market share when it comes to uh, funded loans in Europe. Uh, I think the key to that has been really the business model because uh, on one hand, we bring the loan supply from very many different uh, countries and they are uh, originated by different lending companies. So that has allowed us to scale the loan supply side significantly in, in a very fast manner. And then on the other side, for the retail investors, we do bring a very uh, much un, very much unmatched loan supply so they can pick and choose uh, all sorts of different loans. And then you have basically indirect network effects on both sides. So the more investors we bring, uh, the more loan supply we can actually bring to the market. The more loan supply we bring to the market, the more uh, retail investors we see joining us. So obviously it's been as as for any two-sided marketplace, the challenge is to grow it in a balanced way. But really the key, I would say, has been the, the business model, but of course also execution. So execution is a big part of, uh, of any success as well. Obviously, when it comes to 2020, there's no way to avoid the pandemic. Uh, let's look at it from the business perspective. Uh, when, how did that affect your business? You know, there are some platforms who see say that uh, they've actually seen a great growth or they've seen a slow slowdown because of this i mean the reasons could be that uh, people are a little bit less certain about their fortunes right so if they are retail investors they don't want to invest in something illiquid but in your case it's illiquid but it also brings income right because you're getting income right away from those loans so how did that uh, affect your business in terms of the volumes that you see on the platform? Or oh, marketplace, sorry, I, I I did listen, so I'll correct myself. I won't say P2P platform anymore. <laughs> I think that uh, it's as a marketplace, so we had the effects on both sides. So and the first and foremost effect was, uh, of course, on the investor demand side. So already in late February, uh, and early March, and what well, we have to take into account that most of our investor base do come from Western Europe. So we saw those early signs of uh, lack of confidence about the future in the minds of uh, retail investors. And then came early March, and they definitely scaled back their um, their investments. So that's what we saw on the uh, demand side. Then it, it wasn't affected actually immediately, so it took some time. But we also uh, we saw on the other mm. side of the market. Uh, there was increase in non-performing loans, which uh, some of them also went into the recoveries. Uh, that further affected the confidence of investors uh, in the basically March, April, May. And then I would say that uh, starting already with September, late September, now October and mid-November, so the confidence is uh, is coming back and we definitely see the signs of the growth and uh, us getting back on the same growth path which we were on before. Uh, when we were doubling our business every year for four years. So obviously 2020 was has been challenging in that respect. So we expected quite a bit different year uh, when we started 2020. So with all the investments and efforts uh, so that we actually can double or, or maybe triple the business this year. However, we had to refocus and we refocused instead of the growth, we refocused on the current business. Uh, still, there's going to be some growth. So in this year, we expect uh, to grow some 10, 15%. But obviously, that's much slower than uh, uh, if it were not for the pandemic. But um, definitely was a, 
was a good experience to go through. Right. Uh, good to hear. Good to hear. Um, so I want to turn into the growth and maybe look back a little bit. You know, you've been growing rapidly since the beginning, right? So uh, how many people do you have now in your in your company? And uh, how do you adapt your management style? Uh, what, uh, maybe a good example is when did you stop knowing everybody's first name? Uh, so today we are a bit more than 150 people. Uh, so uh, it's been... Uh, I, I would say that so we've been around for five years since we launched in 2015, January 2015 and 16 was more about trying to understand if what we do actually do make sense, trying to find what you would call perhaps a product market fit. And then really in 17, but more so in 2018 and 19, we really scaled up the business. So for instance, in 2019, uh, we actually, uh, when it comes to the team, we expanded the team from from 60 people to 180 people. Uh, so it was uh, basically we hired uh, or tripled the team in, in a year's time. About knowing the name, it's a good question. Definitely at some moment you you do that. I would say that actually I was, I'm pretty good with, with the names and, well, in general, uh, kind of remembering the things. So I would say even up to maybe some hundred people for sure knew all the names. But even today, I think most of the names I definitely know. I'm one of the things which we do, or which I do, I uh, we do have the newcomers launch with a C, uh, newcomers lunch with a CEO. So all the people who join, so I go oh, wow. with them for the lunch. Uh, that's a group session, but still we spend a good uh, hour and a half or two and get to know each other, and that definitely helps when it comes to uh, knowing the names and putting the name behind the uh, behind. Well, uh, in many cases, so we uh, interacted differently these days. We interact through chat, so at least you can put the face behind and the name as well. Definitely, definitely. Wow. So also reflecting on your journey so far, I mean, did you also, did you have moments where you thought this is not going to work out, so maybe I should give up and do something else, or was it always uh, a smooth sailing for you? Uh, neither so it's uh i never doubt i think i never doubted uh, doubted and and as a team or company i think we never kind of doubted that uh, what you do makes sense and uh it, it's gonna go uh up and to the right uh but obviously of course it's all uh, hasn't been the smooth sailing either so well the 2020s uh, one example but uh overall obviously there are ups and downs throughout the years and uh at some moments, you might, you know, for a very short term, maybe doubt some of the decisions or directions where you are heading. But overall, I would say it's been always uh, very positive about uh, the future. And I think you cannot do otherwise. So then uh, if you start doubting, uh, then maybe it's time to do something else. Brilliant. I mean, that's what I wanted to hear because the, the objective of this podcast is also to encourage uh, people who are thinking about doing something like you uh, to actually uh, try it, right? Um, which leads me to the inevitable question is the money. I know you have been raising funds through crowdfunding campaign. You've raised, raised uh, nearly 6 million euros. Um, you know, you've been around for a while. So why did you choose this route to raise funds? Rather than maybe in some markets, people would go to you know VCs and and do it this way, or would have uh, incumbents uh, investing in them. Uh, why crowd crowdfunding? And um, 
Um, why, why is this the best way for you today? As a background, so we actually have been revenue generating from day one, and most of our growth we actually have been able to support by our revenue. So uh, before the crowdfunding, we have had raised only 7 million euros, all from angel investors, the same co-founding angel investors. So we actually have had very little outside capital raised uh, to date, especially given to what we, to the position where we have come to. When it comes to the fundraising, so the crowdfunding is actually, uh, when it comes to the current fundraising, so the crowdfunding is only part of the, our fundraising strategy. So uh, it's actually going to involve both. It's crowdfunding and venture capital. So crowdfunding was more as a as an opportunity which we wanted to give to the community. So we do have a strong community and we wanted to give them opportunity to join us on our journey. And uh, many of investors actually throughout the years have uh, themselves asked like uh, when and how they can participate and buy equity of Minter. So this is what we did. So together or well, we use the Crowdcube uh, platform and uh, it was amazing. So the support and interest which we got from investors was overwhelming. So about, uh, as you say, about uh, we raised more than 6 million. It's still open, going to be open for a few days. Uh, we have 6,000 investors who chipped in and uh, this is actually going to be the largest crowdfunding raise in Europe uh, outside of the UK in history. So definitely very uh good uh, good campaign at the end of the day but uh, that's only part of the fundraising so we are now gearing up for the venture capital round which we're gonna uh, launch early next year uh, in q1 perhaps and then it's just gonna be we have to look at both of them together so it's both crowdfunding and venture capital i see all right understood makes sense so maybe a, a person with a finance background would ask you, what are you spend, what are you going to spend this money on, right? In other words, what are the next steps for you this year and and beyond having all this money? Uh, it's definitely to basically uh, take take the best of the opportunity which we have ahead of us, and it's basically to invest today uh, so that we can build a better company in the future so it's uh, if we put it like very simple then it's two things it's uh, really scaling up uh, our current offering so it's basically uh, more customer acquisition reaching out more co- reaching more more customers when it comes to retail on the side and we'll also uh, get, uh, getting more loan supply on the marketplace so that's one part and the other part is at this stage, so uh, for us, it's uh, also uh, the scale where we are at. It makes sense to branch out in a new product. So we will build, we will build out new products so that we can uh, provide additional value to our customer base. All right, uh, great, great stuff. Uh, now you know. Before we wrap up, I'd like to ask you also, uh, you know, if you do have time, uh, because I guess you're quite busy. What is your uh, favorite business book that you come across recently? I, I actually I do read quite a bit, so uh, I would uh, say I read uh, more or less like uh, most of the days. I do read business books, but uh, of course at some moment they do get repetitive. Uh, but I think some of the books which I tend to actually refer or if somebody asks me what is the best kind of when it comes to business book so i mean the paradox is, is uh 
the more you read, the harder it is to give you a good answer. Like, what is the best book? Right. So the, the question you have to ask is, like, uh, in what specific field or, like, what exactly you're looking for. So if I had to generalize, I would perhaps pick uh, the hard thing about hard things. It's still one of the books which I I think that's one of the few big I have read only a few books and the hard thing about hard things is definitely one of those. So uh, that's one which I would definitely pick. And the other one... What is it about? Uh, it's basically by Ben Horowitz, uh, one of the guys be- behind Anderson and Anderson yeah. and Horowitz Venture Capital Firm. And their book is about really talking about the stuff which nobody talks about uh, in basically management. And I definitely have referred to that. So like actually now in 2020. So uh, we had to uh, do the reductions in the workforce and uh, I referred to the same hard things about hard things, uh, how to do it properly. And uh, actually, I think we, we managed to do the and the best you can do given the circumstances. So the hard things about hard things for sure. And then the other one also will be a classic. And that's even more classic is high output management. That's another one which uh, I think uh, is a very good book and very kind of on a general level can definitely suggest. But there are many. I mean, there are many. The more you read, the more it's, uh, the harder it is to give you a like, good answer. Of course. Uh, well, wonderful. Thank you very much. So my last question is for Martins. Uh, where interested parties can reach you? What is the best way to find out? Who would you like to hear from most? I mean, you said the fundraising is uh, or is almost finished, but the, the the marketplace obviously keeps on running and fire up on all cylinders. So What's the best way to, to get in touch and what kind of people would you like to hear from most? Uh, if it comes to Mintus, then obviously the best is uh, uh, is just to head to Mintus and, uh, and, and then take it from there. I think it is a good addition to any portfolio to add uh, as an alternative investment, to add loans as an additional investment to the total portfolio. When it comes to me personally, I would say that the LinkedIn perhaps is uh, the best medium to, to reach out to me. Uh, so at this stage, obviously, most of the conversations uh, where I spend most of the time is about the venture capital. And uh, well, now it was about crowdfunding, but the campaign is is uh, closing soon. So now we're going to switch back to, to the venture capital. All right. Well, thank you very much, Martins, and good luck to Mintos. Thank you, Rudin. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.